Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NBA draft analysis, part six, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers only have one pick this year, and it's the fifth overall pick. So, Jalen... Who do they select with the fifth overall pick? Ryan, as long as they're six foot three and taller, we are in business. Um, no disrespect to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers backcourt, but Darius Garland, uh, Colin, Sexton, Colin Sexton, back-to-back picks, undersized point guards in back-to-back years. And granted, we haven't seen a lot from DG this year so far, because uh, th- this past year, so, um, considering the circumstances coming off of an injury, that ended his season at, at Vanderbilt, only played five games. So he's probably still just trying to get in his groove. And considering the season was shortened, we probably didn't even see the best of him coming out of the all-star break. Colin Sexton, to me, is a guy who's capped out. It's weird to say that you've capped out at 20 and five per game, but 20 points, five assists, that's the best you're going to get out of him. And honestly, he's your only offensive production, considering we don't know the future of Kevin Love. Tristan Thompson may be leaving in, uh, in free agency, and it's really up to – um it's really up to the front office overall to decide what type of trajectory they want for this team. Um, they also cannot, I said this, the, the uh, last episode um, about the bulls with having Ryan Archie Diakono having a lot of minutes, no offense to Jetty Osman, but dude, he cannot be getting the kind of PT that he gets. And um, Kevin Porter Jr. And Dylan Windler, uh, who hopefully will be uh, a little bit more healthy going into next season. Uh, hopefully will eat up some of those minutes and, uh, you know, rise to the occasion of being starting caliber players for this young Cleveland team. But, um, yeah, they have a ton of questions. But the first thing they have to address is the forward spot or at least the two-guard spot. They cannot keep getting 6'3 guys, 6'3 uh, and shorter guys to play this position in a, in a league that is um, pretty much positionless basketball. We've got 6'9 guys playing point guard now. So having a 6'1", Six two, six three, guy back there. Unless you shoot like Steph Curry or Trey Young, I'm sorry, I don't see it. With that all being taken in consideration, my first option is Denny Avdia. Um, how he falls to five is beyond me. I think at four, the Bulls would have to be lucky um, and get Lamelo Ball, or we would have to see Golden State, despite a lot of the rumors that have been say said, take a guy like James Wiseman still and um, Denny Avdia fall. Um, but if they can get Denny, uh, 6'9 guy, pushes the pace, would kind of fit that, you know, that positionless basketball aspect, loves to play on the board, so he's a guy who enjoys rebounding. Um, and he's a great, almost Jokic-esque, not to the exact level, but Jokic-esque outlet passer, which helps with pushing the floor for a young team that really thrives in transition, kind of like the Bulls do. Um, they're a team that needs to pick the freaking pace up, dude. Like, they are a team that cannot get into half-court grudge matches with other squads. And, uh, I mean, Denny Avdia automatically helps them in the department. The next best option after that is Devin Vassell out of Florida State. Um, can 
pretty much guard the one through three position positionally might even be able to guard the four in the NBA. If there's a small ball lineup that they're facing and he's a plug and play player, this is not somebody you're going in for potential. You're not guessing. There's no, maybe he could do this. Maybe he could become that Devin Vassell is a three and D wing in this league and you can drop him into your starting rotation and he can be at bare minimum Robert Covington and on his best day can probably be an auto porter when healthy, which is extremely valuable for a Cleveland team that just needs guys who can actively play needs guys who can actively be productive for their roster. So um, those are the two I'm going with on Yucca and is the wild card. Um, depending on how their forward center position looks with Andre Drummond potentially picking up his player option um, or potentially not. And the fact that they will be watching one of the best offensive rebounders in Tristan Thompson walk out the door more than likely. Um, they're going to need help in the big man department. And Onyeka Nkongu pretty much is a day one starter in that situation too, if either one of those guys don't end up back on the roster after this offseason. So those are the three. The, I mean, if they get any of those three, they're good to go. Um, I, I mentioned that in the Bulls episode that I think Obi Toppin is probably the best fit. Obi Toppin is probably the best fit for this team, and I have to stand by that. I think with the fifth overall pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Obi Toppin out of Dayton. Um, if you talk about that, the Cleveland really needs a big. I think Cleveland needs a lot of big men um, because they have a surplus of guards. If you remember in the last draft um, and a couple drafts before, it's you picked up guys like Colin Sexton, Dylan Windler, Kevin Porter Jr., Darius Garland. They're all guards, and you haven't really selected a lot of big men in the past couple drafts. And considering that this seems like the right pick because Cleveland's going to lose Tristan Thompson in the offseason, and most likely they're going to trade away Kevin Love. And if Andre Drummond doesn't pick up his option, he's probably going to get He's probably going to walk away from the team. And I also think, you know, Obi Toppin going to Dayton, which is in Ohio, he's a hometown guy. He won't have to go far. I mean, he went to Dayton. Now he's going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It seems like a perfect fit. He also had a great college career. Um, a guy who scored 20 points a game, averaged seven and a half rebounds, shot 30, 39% from beyond the arc. I think – the Cavaliers could really pair him up with a guy or pair him up with a backcourt that features Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Um, I think Topping is a guy who can contribute right away. And I think his smooth, I think he's got maybe one of the smoothest shooting strokes that I've ever seen. And I think he's like a great, I think he'll be a great offensive weapon immediately where you can just insert him into the starting lineup once you get rid of Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson walks out, or Tristan Thompson because of Tristan Thompson because of free becomes a free agent, um, and then of course with Andre Drummond, whether or not he picks up the option will be a question. Um, I think he can also really shoot from the perimeter. He can really do a lot of things that most big men today can do, which is why I think he'll fit immediately into the lineup with the Cleveland Cavaliers, considering that they already have a young surplus of guards that they really need to fill in with this draft with a lot of um, big men. Because again, like I mentioned, you may lose Kevin, you may lose 
uh, Kevin Love. You may lose Tristan Thompson. You may lose Andre Drummond. So you've already lost three potential starters in your lineups. And now I think the Cleveland Cavaliers have to turn to this draft to fill in their starting lineup. Um, I mean, I, I understand the pick. I understand the logic behind it. The hometown thing obviously helps. I mean, anybody can kind of just lean on that as a, oh, this will match kind of thing. And I don't disagree with it. I think the only thing that concerns me about Obi Toppin really is just the fact that he doesn't fit the the timeline for this team. This team got extremely young in a year. I mean, LeBron James walked out. J.R. Smith was pretty much <laughs> not a part of the team to begin with. If they trade uh, Kevin Love, I'm assuming it's more so for assets. Tristan Thompson walking out of the door out of the door opens up a significant cap space for them potentially. Um, Andre Drummond is another guy who, if he doesn't pick up his player option, um, a younger guy, but they probably won't end up holding on to him. They probably still try to see if they could trade him for some assets moving forward. This is a team that basically is about to get extremely young. If we were still talking about the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I think I would agree with you um, 100%. Obi Toppin feels like a Charlotte Hornets pick. They lean on, um, you know, blue-collar NBA-ready players who are a little bit older um, and kind of just go for guys that you can plug and play that have a little bit of a instant gratification factor rather than potential. And that's what Obi Toppin is. He's one of the oldest players in this draft, if not the oldest player in this draft for a team that's getting a lot younger. I mean, at five, um, I feel like you would be missing out on Yekka Okongwu if you go with Obi Toppin, because I feel like I, I feel as though with everything we've already seen that on is not going before five, um, unless there's something that golden state is not telling us, um, about how they feel about him. Um, so if if Onyeka falls to them, I, I don't see why they would pass on him for Obi Toppin, who's a lot older, and Onyeka still has a lot of growth to do offensively. He brings dominant defensive presence off the rip, and that'll probably make things a little bit easier transitioning from an Andre Drummond if you look to try to trade him for assets because you would have a guy in Onyeka who does pretty much everything that Drummond does, but a lot younger, a lot more dynamic, and with a higher ceiling. Um, in terms of being at a produced day one. I think the biggest thing with Obi Toppin uh, that I kind of mess with is just the fact that his athleticism is something that, you know, we were talking about pushing the pace earlier, and that was what I was referring to with Denny Avdia. Well, him as an outlet, outlet guy to be, to, to be on the receiving end rather than being a guy like Denny who helps push the pay, pace by moving the ball, Um Obi is going to be somebody who's going to be on the receiving end of a lot of those pushing the pace, running transition type of plays. And he's athletic enough to finish. Um, so, I mean, that could be huge for them too. Um, I think my biggest question to you, Ryan, probably is just like, okay, so say Obi Toppin for whatever reason isn't available or say that Cleveland is not as high on Obi Toppin because of the age discrepancy. Um, who's your backup? Who, who's the other guy? Um. I would have to go with what you said earlier. I think Onyeka Nkongwu is probably the best choice. Um, he's really the most – he does still need to be – he still needs to develop as a player. Um, and I do think that this is a great spot for him to develop considering he's on a team of young players, not ready to win yet. I think they're still in the rebuilding phase, pretty much recovering from when LeBron left in 2018 
this team really has a lot of building to do. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Onyeka Okongwu would play in his first year in Cleveland. I think he is a natural starter. Um, and he could make an impact at the immediate le- at the um, as an immediate starter as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where Akongwu would fit on this team. And depending on if they don't get Onyeka Akongwu, if they do take the small ball route, I would say, which I mean, it's, it sounds very unlikely, but if they do take the small ball route, I would say they maybe get a guy like. Isaac Okoro, just as a solid defender. Um, I also would think that, you know, if they if they want to take another point guard, it sounds like kind of a reach, but I say uh, Ty- I would say uh, Killian Hayes out of France seems like a solid choice as well. Um, but I think I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think the real need is the four and the five, the big men, pretty much. So, Really, the only options that I see are Obi Toppin and Plan B is Onyeka and Kongwu. And I mean, I, I, I and I completely understand. Like you said, leaning on the big man spot of things is definitely a good route for them. Um, I think they just desperately need a ball handler or somebody who they can plug in off the rip, and you just know they're going to produce. That's why Onyeka is on um is my third option. Is just because I know on one end of the court he's instantly plug and play defensively instantly plug and play despite relatively being undersized might have to play the four a lot of the time um and maybe that could be a little redundant with the fact that they would also have uh Andre Drummond if he picks up the option so that's something that kind of is a little bit of a log jam because they are essentially the same player but the height differential in that regard kind of leans to Onyeka being more of a defensive four which is not as great in his position um maybe a small ball center but you know, depends on the circumstance. Um, I think your take on Isaac Okoro is kind of huge. Um, that's why I said Devin Vassell is just because I felt like he's the upgraded version. Um, I feel as though Isaac Okoro has a better chance to be a, a better NBA level defender than Devin, Devin Vassell, just based on his NBA frame that he has uh, body type wise. But Devin Vassell shoots the ball, probably the, the, what, the second or third best three-point shooter in this draft. Besides, um, I think it's uh, Sadiq Bay. It's either Sadiq Bay or Tyler Bay are the two other uh, stretch, uh, I guess, three and D wings that would be in that category. So he's one of the better three-point shooters in this draft as a, as a whole and is a two-way player. So I would say that I like Isaac Okoro's defense, what he get, but it's the, it's almost the same discussion at the at the at the guard forward spot as I'm having with Onyeka and Kogu. I think you can put him into the rotation and he can instantly step up that team's defense. But his ability to produce on the offensive end, still a little bit of a question. Devin Vassell, on the other hand, if he can be a catch and shoot three-point shooter and just play defense, like I said, his low end is Robert Covington, and that's a starter. <laughs> Cleveland needs starters bad. So I, I don't I don't think either route is bad. When you only have one draft pick, it's it's so difficult to make a uh a a franchise altering move. Um so they just need to go with uh whoever the best guy available is on, on the board is really. I feel like it's a BPA move. Best best player available is the best route to go for a team in Cleveland who they're just looking for life, man. They're really just looking for life anywhere they can get it. So that actually leads me to another question because I know with the Boston Celtics episode, you and I both agreed that pretty much after 
the 26th pick, they should trade away all their picks. Um, so do you see Cleveland in this case maybe getting on the phone with Danny Ainge and saying, hey, can we get some of your picks? Because we only have one pick in the first round, and we see some potential talent in this draft. Do you see that happening? Um, I mean, the question is, who? What? What am I getting? If I still get fourteen, which I I, I would hope I still I, I hope I still get it, um, considering the fact that it's still a lottery pick. Um, if I still get fourteen, um, in that in that exchange, um, that's huge to me because I feel as though like the the reach on that is significantly good. If I get those other two, say I get one of the other late first round picks and um and then their second round if i can get at least three of boston's four picks i think i do it but i think there i think it really is going to come down still even if i get those picks it's going to come down to cleveland's ability to evaluate talent if they go at 14 at the bottom of the lottery the, the top three guys are gone um devin vassal is not going to be there obi Toppin's not going to be there Anyeka Nkongwu, Isaac Okoro, they're not going to be there. So is, is identifying talent in guys like a Patrick Williams, who has a ton of upside as one of the youngest players, if not the youngest player in this draft, is that a guy that you snag at 14, similar to how Denver kind of stole um, Michael Porter Jr.? Granted, different circumstances, Michael Porter Jr.'s upside came from when healthy versus Patrick Williams. It's well, he only played one year and he was six man of the year for Florida State. But what can he do as a productive start starter with more minutes on the floor um, in the later picks? Um, do you swing on guys like Jamias Ramsey in that backcourt? Do you try to get a guy in the second round like Elijah Hughes? Um, it's just going to come down to their ability to identify talent. I think that with them losing as many guys as they're getting as as they potentially can. I think they should swing for the fence like you like you mentioned and potentially at least try to get three of those four picks, if not all shoot all four of them if they can get them and maybe throw Kevin Love as part of the trade action in there if that's something that entices Boston. But it I mean, you know, it's weird because it just because you have all those picks does not mean oh, I got more cracks at it, which means, A, I can never go wrong. You still have to be able to evaluate talent and how they fit on your team. I feel as though if they get, say, three out of those four picks from Boston, they have to come out with a guy like Patrick Williams who has extreme upside um, at a 3-4 position to be a potential two-way wing. They have to be able to get a gritty guy like Jamias Ramsey out of te- Texas Tech to be another guy on the second unit or maybe even the first unit alongside another um, talented guard like uh, like a Kevin Porter Jr. who that, second, that secondary backcourt could be really huge for them. Um, or, I mean, of course, you could run those guys interchangeably with Colin Sexton. Does Colin Sexton and Darius Garland remain on this roster moving forward considering their redundancy? That's another thing that comes into question when you think of, man, do I need more picks? Should Boston be somebody I got on the phone? Because if DG or Colin Sexton is somebody that's going to be on the trade block, you definitely would want to fill that hole with maybe a second round pick where you can get a a Cassius Winston, for example, or um, maybe at the center spot, be able to pick up his pick and roll partner and Xavier Tillman and put partner him up with one of those guards that you keep. Like these are all things that they're going to have to take into consideration when making a move like that. Because like I said before, just because you have a lot of bite, a ton of bites at the apple 
doesn't necessarily mean you're building yourself some type of, you know, Boston Celtics-esque young roster. You still have to be able to evaluate talent, and then you have to coach them up. And we don't know what their coaching situation looks like. So, I mean, excellent question. But, uh, you know, I guess the question back would be how much do you trust Cleveland to be able to make some moves with those picks? Well, I think, in my opinion, this is – this is kind of a stretch and maybe a hot take, but what I think they should do is they should try to, they should try to avoid trading away the fifth pick, but they should also try to trade Kevin Love at the same time. I think what they should do in my opinion is that they should trade Kevin Love, package him in, in with a deal with a guy like Darius Garland, and then you get them for picks because you, you don't need, you don't need players. You need draft picks because you're trying to rebuild your roster. And I think the process that I think Cleveland should take is that they package in Kevin Love and Darius Garland in the deal because you already have a surplus of guards and you want to get rid of Kevin Love. And then you trade that to Boston for, I would say, the the 30th pick. And I would also say the 26th pick as well. And maybe their second round pick as well, because I don't think I don't think Boston needs any of the picks. We said this in, during the Boston episode; they don't need any of their picks. They're pretty much just choosing guys to have on their roster. They had five picks last year. They don't need all five picks. They didn't need all five picks last year. So it sounds like a crazy trade, and I know it's very it's very two K. It's very like my sim 2K-ish where this is like a trade that probably will never happen in real life, but you're able to make it happen in 2K. But listen, I think the trade should be Kevin Love, Darius Garland for the 14th, for the, what did I say? The 30th pick, the 26th pick. And I would also package in the second round pick as well. I mean, if they can pull that off and keep five, I mean, and get all those picks in the back end of the first round and the beginning of the second, I mean, hey, that's a dove. I just don't know how you walk away from that trade where you give up a value in Kevin Love and don't get the 14th. I mean, maybe we're just – maybe we're devaluing Kevin Love because of the fact that – um I wouldn't say he's regressed as a player, but obviously his injury history, you know, comes into question whenever you use him as a trade chip. And um, I don't blame you for for that if if you're kind of lessening his trade value because of that. Um, but if I'm if I'm if I'm Cleveland, I don't know how I leave that trade without getting the 14th pick at bare minimum. If I can get 1430 in their second round pick, I'll take it. I don't care about the 20. The 22nd, I think it was, um, or the 26th. I think it was 26th. But um, I don't care about that pick, to be honest with you. If I can get the last pick in the first round and one of the earliest picks in the second round, um, along with being able to maintain a uh, a lottery pick, if you get five and 14, you're coming out of this draft with a starting five, one way or another, if you're Cleveland. So um, to Cleveland fans, like, cross your fingers to get a, get a Ryan-esque deal because – if you can if you can get a Ryan esque deal but get the 14th pick instead of the 26th, I mean you have two starters coming out of the lottery, uh, two potential uh, bench pickups, 
um, in the late first round and in the second round. And you might still have Andre Drummond on your books as a potential trade ship by the trade deadline of next year. Um, that would set you up tremendously moving forward to just be a young team that has to fall on their face every now and then, but for the most part, just learn how to build a wielding, uh, a winning culture in a franchise that can't seem to really get it together unless LeBron James is the glue holding them together. So, um, yeah, I would say for Cleveland fans, hope that you can get a Ryan S deal, but get that 14th pick in there instead of the 26th. And um, if you get to keep the fifth pick on top of that, I mean, shoot, Cleveland might potentially have the best draft uh, draft capital for this draft class out of any other team uh, in the league making picks this year. And the thing I want to clarify with Kevin Love is that I'm not basing this off of regression of play and injury history because he's a guy who consistently averages 19 and nine. So it's more or it's more or less just finding the right place for him to go. And mainly a contender like Boston, a contender like Boston who has draft picks. And I I guess to maybe make this an an even a, a, not not so much of an unfair deal, like more of like one of the, the 2K sim trade deals. I would throw in a player like Tremont Waters or Carson Edwards in there. I would maybe also throw in a guy like uh, like uh, Robert Williams or Brad Wanamaker in this deal as well. Maybe to try to even, maybe to try to, to gauge Boston's interest a little bit more. Because I know Boston, it's it's going to take a lot for Boston to trade away most of their draft picks. So I think if they do come away with secure, if Cleveland comes away with securing the fifth overall pick while getting rid of Kevin Love, I think that's a win-win. So that's a dub. It's definitely a dub, bro. So that kind of leads into my question of the day for our fans. Who do you see Cleveland selecting with the fifth overall pick? And do you see Cleveland making any moves on draft day? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you rate us or make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you give us five stars. And, of course, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.